Well, today, as Pastor Ness said, we are starting a brand new series. It's a series that we are titling, It Matters. It Matters. Say that with me. It Matters. It matters. Say it again. It matters. it matters. One more time. It matters. it matters. Question, what matters? What matters? It could be a lot of things, right? It could be a lot of things. Well, let me tell you specifically what we're going to be talking about. How many of you know that the church matters? The church matters. Now, uh, lest we, you know, kind of just, we could go in so many different directions with that, but I want to talk to you specifically about why church matters. And more importantly, I want you to understand that you matter. Let me tell you why I say that. Because the church is not a building. The church is not a place that we go to. The church is not something that we do. The church is a move of God made up of people that work together, come together. You are the church. Amen? Come on now. You are the church of Jesus Christ. And it matters. But I want to talk specifically about this issue of it. Because there are a lot of different things, different elements that make up the church that make it matter. And today I want to take you to the very beginning of the church when it was established after the resurrection of Christ. And I want you to specifically start thinking about what was it that made this church matter so much? What was it that made it so special? What was it that made it so powerful? Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 42, says that they devoted themselves to the apostles, to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Verse 44 says all the believers were together and had everything in common. I'm sorry, verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Verse 44 says, and all the believers were together and had everything in common. Watch this, verse 45. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Verse 46. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Verse 47 goes on to say, and they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to them, to their number daily, those who were being saved. How many of you would agree that there was something truly special happening in the first church, the early church? There's something truly special happening, but what was it? What was it? What was it about the early church? Was it that they were one body? Was it that they broke bread and they cared for one another? Was it that they helped each other? Was it that they gave uh, sacrificially, uh, sacrificially, generously? Was it that they all believed in God and they praised him? Was it that they had favor? Was it that God was adding to their number daily? Yes, it was all those things. But let me take you back to the very foundation of why this church, why it matters even today. See, there was something, this it factor, this thing that made them special, that made it a powerful move of God, that made it impactful, that made a difference. And to really see this, we have to go back to what that beginning it factor was in Acts chapter 1, starting at verses 1 through 3. Look at what the scripture says. It says, in my former book, this is the, uh, 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 a disciple Luke uh, who is writing 
to a man named Theophilus. And if you study this out and you look at history, he was actually commissioned by Theophilus to write this. In those days when you wrote uh, letters on papyrus paper and all that, this was very costly. So what would happen is someone would sponsor the writing. And so it appears from history and from the writings that Luke was commissioned by Theophilus. Maybe he was an early believer. Maybe this is all new to him and he's well off. But he's writing to Theophilus and he says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Stop right there for a moment. Let's think about this. So what we're seeing here is that he's written to Theophilus before. And if you look at the book of Luke, the letter, the epistle, the, the, the gospel of Luke, what you'll find is that it was written to Theophilus. Hence, this leads us to an important point. What Luke is writing here is a continuation of something that began previously. Let me take you back to the verse. Track with me here. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Something began. But watch the importance of what began. Verse 2, until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he had chosen, and after his suffering, he presented himself to them, and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. Now, Follow me for a moment here. See where I'm coming from with this. What began, what Jesus began to do and to teach was now being continued. And let me tell you how that relates to you and I, church of Christ, people of God. Mighty move of God that you and I are when we corporately and individually take this step forward. What we are doing is continuing what Jesus began. Listen closely. The early church, the church uh, that's, that's recorded in the book of Acts, understood that what Jesus began must continue. What Jesus began must continue. And as such, this church walked in power. These people operated in power. They saw miraculous signs and wonders. Wherever they went, they had favor. Despite the challenges, this church always found itself as the head and not the tail, as above only, as never beneath. When there was lack, there was always more blessing. Where there was questions, there was always more faith because they trusted in Jesus and they believed that they were an extension of Jesus Christ. An extension. So these people understood that what Jesus began had to continue. They understood that what Jesus began must continue. And as such, they extended themselves. Let me tell you what I'm talking about here. How many of you would agree that in order to access power, you got to plug in, right? right? So you got to plug in. You got to have some power. We have some power. You see the light, right? We've got some power. But how many of you know that if you're going to do something with power, not only do you have to plug in, it's got to plug in 
to a different location. It's got to reach further than where it's at. So I want you to see what this church understood. This church understood that without Jesus, I can do nothing. All right. We still got power. Nobody fret. But now, what they understood is that what Jesus started has to continue. And so here's what they did. Go ahead, you grab that, brother. Now that there's power over here, and keep the chain going. Keep, keep, come on, it's getting a little messy, but work with me, sister. Don't worry about your nails. It's all right. Pass that along, pass that along, pass it along, pass it along. Keep, keep, keep going, keep it going, keep it moving, keep it moving, keep it moving. And what this church understood is that we are an extension of Jesus Christ. And as such, because we are plugged into Christ, wherever we go, we extend power. Come on, brother, work with me here. Right? Let's get the power to the source that needs it. Right? Come on now, move it along, move it along. Now let's plug that in, my sister. Let's just observe what happens. Right? So now we got it plugged in, and then there's a little power source right here. And voila! We have lights. Friends, what I want you to consider is this, that the scripture says, and we're going to look at this verse a little bit later. The scripture says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that Jesus declared to the church, and you shall receive the Holy Spirit, and when he has come upon you, you shall receive power. And because of that power, you will be witnesses to me in Judea, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What I want you to consider is this, that the Lord Jesus did not empower you and give you a new life for the purpose of it remaining where it is. You are an extension. I am an extension. We are an extension of the power of God. Church, you matter. Why? Because this power, it matters. It is meant to go places. It is meant to touch lives. It is meant to bring transformation. And I know for some of us, we're going, who, me? And I'm telling you, yeah, you. Yeah, you. Yes, you. Listen, today I want to talk to you on a topic that I believe is very near and dear to the heart of God. I want you to think about this. What good is power without a purpose? What good is power without a purpose, without a destination, without an impact that is intended to be made? Today I want to talk to you on the topic, power with a purpose. Power with a purpose. And we have a great example of this through the life of a man named Peter. Peter was one of the early apostles. And Peter understood this purpose of this power that he had received. Peter understood that it mattered that he was the church. Peter understood that what Jesus had done in his life was not meant to stay in his life, but that it was meant to extend to greater places. And so in Acts chapter 3, we have record of a time where Peter is walking into the temple with John. And as they're walking into the temple, the scripture tells us that they were going at the 3 p.m. 3 p.m.-ish kind of hour. They were heading into the temple, and as they're walking to the temple for prayers, they come across a man who routinely was brought there 
by people. He was carried there by people. Why? Because he was lame in the legs. He was crippled. And the scripture tells us that he was crippled from birth. So get this, this man had never walked in his life. This man never knew what it was to take a step. This man never knew what it was to stand. This man never knew what it was to run, to jump, to stretch forward, to go somewhere on his own. This man only knew to depend upon others. And in this day and age, when we're reading this, when we're going to read this in Acts chapter 3, to be someone who was crippled or blind or have some severe disability was in essence almost like a death sentence. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Because in those days, if you were crippled, you were looked down upon. Because in Jewish culture, it was assumed that either your parents or you had committed some sort of grave sin that God had brought this upon you. You were looked at as unworthy, unqualified. And so for people with these type of disabilities, you were relegated to the lower echelons of life. In other words, you could beg. You can beg. That's your job in life. That's your place in life. Beg. And so this man was brought day in and day out to the temple courts, to the, to the, to the opening door, the, the entryway, and he was laid there, and the scripture tells us that he would beg for alms. And so herein on this day, John and Peter are walking into the temple, and the scripture tells us that Peter stops, and he looks upon this man. And as he looks upon this man, he gazes upon him. This man is looking, and he's, he's kind of wondering, what's going on here? And the scripture tells us that Peter says to him, look at us. Now this man, now Peter has this man's attention, and the scripture tells us that this man was looking to Peter and John with expectation. He's probably expecting some sort of kindness, some sort of extension of pity, uh, some sort of generosity, some sort of provision, something that could help him with his need, his superficial needs. Maybe it was some money to buy some bread. Maybe it was just enough to get by for that day. But whatever it was, he looks at Peter and John, and Peter, the scripture tells us, says to him in Acts chapter 3, verse 6, silver and gold I do not have. I don't have what you think you need. As a matter of fact, I don't have anything that anybody would say you need. He says, I do not have silver and gold. I don't have what you want. I don't have what you need to get you some bread. But what I do have, I give you. That begs our attention and consideration for a serious question. What do you think you have? What is it that you have? See, for some of us, myself included, because I've been there, have you ever felt like, I don't have enough? Have you ever felt like, I'm unqualified? Have you ever been of the mindset, of the train of thought? Have you ever believed that somehow you're lacking something? And yet, what we see from this example is this, that when you have Christ, you have everything you need. We have everything. And so Peter says, silver and gold I do not have, but let me give you what I do have. And he says this, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now watch this. He doesn't just tell him get up and walk. 
The scripture goes on to tell us that he extends a hand to him and he helps this man get up. Watch what just happened. There's a transfer, thank you brother, there's a transfer of power. Peter is walking in an anointing and in a confidence and in a faith that plugs him into God. But he understands that I've got to now take this power from my life and I need to plug in someone else. And so he extends his hand to this man. He helps him get up. And the scripture tells us that this man doesn't get up. He jumps up. He begins to jump up and praise God. And the people marvel. Now, you got to understand the magnitude of what just happened. This guy doesn't even know what it feels like to have strength to stand. The fact that he's never used these muscles in his life tells us something. His legs are atrophied. He has very little muscle, if any at all. And yet this man rises up. He jumps up and he begins to praise God. He begins to do what he's never been able to do. Why? Because somebody understood that I'm here as an extension of this power. I'm here as an extension of Jesus Christ himself. And so I might as well give you Jesus because while you want money, I'm giving you a brand new life. While you have sickness, I'm giving you not just health, I'm giving you a brand new experience. I'm introducing you to the one that has transformed my life. I wonder what would happen. What would happen if we are we saw ourselves simply as an extension, as someone who's connected and a connector. You know that's one of the most powerful things that God showed us when we started this ministry. He told us, "I'm calling you to do something." That is super simple. Well, it's not really simple, to be honest with you. But it's e easy enough to understand. We're called to help people connect with God. To help people connect with other people walking on this journey of faith. Because we can't do this alone. Let's not fool ourselves. But we're also called to help people within the body to now connect with community. To understand that we are connectors everywhere we go because we are connected to Christ. See, that matters. It matters. And so the people marvel, the scripture says. They're, they're in awe of what just happened. And Peter, the scripture tells us, looks upon me. He says, don't look at us as if we did this. He says, it was Jesus. See, Peter did not heal this man. He just gave him power. I'm going to tell you why that's so important for us to consider. Because oftentimes, we don't take steps of faith to impact someone's life because we think that we're the ones who have to make it happen. I'll prove it to you. Well, what if I pray and it doesn't work? See, therein is the problem. It's not about God. It's about I, 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 I. It's always going to be a mess when we get ourselves in the middle of it. But if we just simply understood that we are connectors, that we are an extension, then we would be just like Peter and John, and we would understand, why are you looking at me as if I did this? It was Jesus. 
Listen to what Acts chapter 3 verse 16 goes on to tell us. Peter says, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. Listen to what Peter's saying. We had nothing to do with this. We simply introduced the name of Jesus and this guy's faith got connected to that. And as a result of that faith, this man was made strong. Do you know what the scripture is actually saying there? His legs became whole. Get this, he didn't have to work out to develop muscles. This was a true miracle of God. This was a move of God. Peter goes on to say, it is Jesus' name and the faith that concerns, that comes through him, that has completely healed him, as you can all see. You know, the purpose of power is not simply for our benefit. Friends, do you know how many healings lay in waiting just for a Christian who actually believes to show up? Do you know how many solutions are waiting to come to light if God's people would just show up? What do you care what you look like when you pray? It's not about you. What do we care if it doesn't work? We serve the God that makes all things possible. What do you care if, oh, well, I don't know all these verses, so what? Neither do I. I may know some, but it's not about the verses you know. It's about the Jesus you serve and know. Friends. It is by faith in the name of Jesus that this man was healed. And it was because somebody dared to share their faith, which produced faith in another. I'm telling you, friends, it matters. The church matters because you matter. And the moment you show up, God shows up. God shows out. And there is a release of power. Now, lest you think I'm lying, we're going to perform a little test. This week, this week, this very week, I dare you, I triple dog dare you, I infinity times infinity times infinity times triple dog dare you to go and actually, actually take a step like Peter and say, hey, I don't exactly have what you think you need, but I do have, but I do have something that I know can fulfill all your needs. Let me tell you about Jesus and what he's done. Let me pray for you. Let me show you what the scriptures say. Is there anyone in the house that would dare to take that up this week? So when you come back next week, we, we look forward to hearing about it. Listen, we can't play church, ladies and gentlemen. We are the church. 
And it's time that we understand that we are an extension of Christ. We are. What do you think the scripture means when it says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead resides in you and I? Why do we think the scripture tells us that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world? Friends, don't you realize that when you show up, Christ and his power, his resurrection power, his saving power, his healing power, his wisdom power, the solutions that he brings to lives, to communities, to workplaces, to homes, it's all within you. Would we just extend beyond ourselves? And so I want to talk to you for the next couple of moments about why this matters, why the power of God in you matters, why this connection matters. And I just want to propose to you just three simple things for reflection and for application. But I pray that we would do something with this because, friends, here's the reality. If all we do is hear the word of God and do nothing with it, while we have all the power of God residing within us, we live powerlessly. We will live without power. The first point that I want to propose to you is that power needs a connection. Power needs a connection. Think about this. Peter and John, from what we saw in the scriptural record, did not do this in their own strength. It tells us something about them. They lived in a way where they understood, I have to remain connected to God. I have to remain connected to God. Let me ask you a question. How's your connection? How's your connection? Is it a strong one? Is it one that you maintain? Is it one that you plug and unplug? How's your connection? Because power needs a connection. Listen to what Isaiah 41 verses 13 and 14 says to us. It says, for I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear. I will help you. Do not be afraid, you worm Jacob, little Israel. Do not fear, for I myself will help you, declares the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Now, if you read this at face value, it almost sounds like God is putting them down. But he's not. He's actually not. He's actually revealing what they believe about themselves. If you read this in context and you look at the writings of the, of the prophets in the Old Testament, what you will find is that repeatedly God says to his people, don't be afraid. I'm with you. Be strong. Be courageous. I, you're the apple of my eye. I will never let you go. I'm for you. Be strong. Take of my strength. But what we find is that God told them that repeatedly because they were a disobedient people. They didn't believe it. And so when God says to them, oh, Jacob, you worm. You, 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 you don't, don't be afraid. You see yourself as so small. Don't fear. What God is actually saying is this is how they saw themselves. And here's the solution that they failed to realize. If we could go back to verse 13, he says this, I am the Lord, your God, who takes hold of your right hand. Listen to what God is saying. I've always been holding your hand. You know what that tells us? You always have power. 
always. He's saying to them, you have, my, my hand, I'm connected to you. Here we are worrying about connecting to God, not realizing that God's already connected to us. While we're doing whatever we're doing, he's holding our hand. He's right there with us. He's right there with you. The question is, do you even know it? Do you acknowledge your connection to him? Israel saw themselves as small and thus they lacked faith. They did not look to God, but God says, I've already taken you by your hand, and I will help you. But here's the thing. This help is not released unless we understand the power that we're connected to. Friends, who told you you're weak? Who told you you're small? Who told you you can't? Who told you? that you do not matter? Who told you that you won't make it? Who told you that you're not smart enough? Who told you that you don't have a future? Who told you that you can't do great things? Who told you this? Because it's not God. God says, don't be afraid. I'm with you every step of the way. Reminds me of a story I heard once of this little boy who had great confidence in his father. Him and his father would get into the pool and his father would be swimming out in the deep. And this little boy, he's so small, you know, he didn't know how to swim yet. But he would jump into the deep where daddy was all the time. And his father would be laying on his back or, you know, doing whatever he was in the water. And his son would jump in and he would fret. And then he would grab his son and he would say, son, stop doing that. Don't do that. Don't, don't you do that again. And then the son would get out the pool and he'd run around and he'd dive in again. And he would go, son, stop doing that. And so one day the son just kept doing it and doing it. And the father grabs his son and he grabs him by the shoulders. He says, son, what if I don't catch you? What if you jump in and I'm not aware? And his son said, well, what if, dad? And it wasn't that he was disrespecting his dad. It was he was saying, dad, I know you're always going to be there. There is no such thing as if. You're there with me. Listen, his confidence wasn't in the fact that his dad was simply in the water. His confidence was that every time he took a leap, dad would be there not only to catch him. But friend, here's where it gets personal for you and I. God isn't just able to catch you. He also wants to use you. He wants to use your life. He wants to display his power through you and I. Do you realize how much electricity is able to go through just a wire? All this power. Do you realize that cities have lighting, that homes have electricity and have all this capability? Why? Because it's connected to a power source. Do you realize what's possible if you just understood, if I just understood, if we actually believed I'm an extension of Christ. I matter. Come on now. The second point that I want to leave you with here is that power needs a conduit. Power needs a conduit. Power needs an in-between medium, a person, so to speak. Without someone in the middle, power can't get to where it wants to get to. Peter and John gave all they had that day. But just understand that they had to take the step to give it. To give it. 
I'm sure that they thought to themselves, we can deduce this from the, the scriptural record. They said, I don't have money. I don't have food. Man, I don't even have an extra set of clothes to give you, but I do have Jesus. I do have power. I do have something greater than your circumstances. What good is a lamp without a light bulb? What good is a car without a destination? What good is a Christian without people to impact? Listening closely, friend. It's you. It's you that God wants to use. I remember many years ago, just started coming back to church. Had left the church for many, many years. And I was, uh, I had struggled a lot in the beginning because you got to understand, I left the church at a young age. I made a lot of mistakes. I burnt a lot of bridges. It was just a mess. It really was. So here I am back at church. I'm truly in love with Jesus, but I'm wrestling with everything I've been through and, you know, all the imperfections that I see. And I questioned a lot, you know, my ability and what God might want to do through me. But then one day out of nowhere, I got this bright idea, right? I'm on my way home, and I was thinking about these kids that were on the train every single morning on the 6th train that I would catch in, uh, I think it was Westchester Avenue. Right? We lived in the Bronx in the, in the Classens Point area. And so I was thinking about these kids because, honestly, they, ju they were just annoying. These kids were like the absolute worst on the train. They were disrespectful. They were loud. They were obnoxious. They didn't care. They pushed on people. The train is packed. They didn't care. And so I would get on this train every single morning at the same time, and these kids would be there, and the train is packed. And this was the express line that I would catch, the, the sixth, the express one that would take us all the way to 125th. And so on this particular day, as I'm going home, I get this idea that I feel was from the Lord, and now I know was, was from the Lord, that I was going to share the gospel with them. And so I was convinced, I'm going to do this tomorrow. I get home, I tell my wife, she goes, no, you're not. And I said, oh, yes, I am. Well, the next morning comes, and I get up in the morning, and I said, God, that can't be you. Nah, that was just me. Nah, I'm not doing this. And so I casually took my time this morning to get to the bus so that I can get to the train. Here's what I was really doing. I was hoping I'd miss the train. Right? Well, let me tell you how God works. I missed it. I, I, I take the, the later bus. I get to the train stop. And as I get up there, the train was late that morning. In my mind, okay, this is a coincidence. So we walk in there, it's extra packed. And there's a bunch of kids, and it's about 15, 20 of them, and they're being loud, and, and the, the train is packed, and I'm like, God, this can't be you. There's no way. If it is you, then make it so that someone gets up in the middle of this packed train and nobody takes that seat. As soon as I pray this, a woman gets up, and nobody sits on a seat. It can't be you, God. This has is, this is just got to be a coincidence. And so I'm coming up with all these excuses for God. And then finally I say to the Lord, Lord, I'm not doing it. It can't be me. You're going to have to send someone. And as soon as I said that, before I even finished my prayer, on the other side of the train where all these kids are, this guy gets up and he says, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to share with you about the love of God. And I'm like, 
how could all these coincidences have happened all at once? I understood it was God. Well, long story short, this guy's sharing. They're not listening. The train is loud. People are reading their papers. And all of a sudden, I guess he got nervous or something. He begins to kind of fumble on his words. And at that moment, without even thinking about it, I just opened my mouth and I said, brother, can I just share something? He said, absolutely. And the train goes silent. Now, you want to see how God, God has a sense of humor? Remember I told you it's the express that I, I would catch that would take us straight to 125th? It went local the whole way. <laughs> True story. True story. It went local on this morning. So we get to 125th Street, and I get out the train, and I swear I thought they were going to jump me because these kids come at me like a mad rush. Mr. 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 And they kind of like surround me, and I'm like, oh, snap. It is on like Donkey Kong. And one by one, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Don't tell me that God can't use you, that God can't use me, that God can't use us. The issue isn't if God can use us. The issue is if we'll show up. There's a guy in the Bible named Gideon, and this guy was completely insecure in his calling. The Bible says that Israel was in a very bad place during this time because what happens is they, was, they were so afraid of the Midianites who, who oppressed them that they were hiding in caves. And the, the, scripture, the scriptures introduce us to this guy Gideon hiding in a threshing mill, right? A wheat threshing mill. And, and the scripture says that God says to him, Gideon, arise mighty warrior and in essence here's what he says who me can't be talking to me there's no way you're talking to me does that conversation sound familiar to any of us come on we've been there but what's interesting is this that the Lord calls Gideon in the midst of his fear and his hiding and he says to him mighty warrior and I want to propose to you something, that before you could ever do something for God, or you could answer the call of God, he's already called you and equipped you for what he's sending you out for. And so listen to his response in Judges chapter 6, the first half, of the second half of verse 11. It says, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Did not the Lord bring us... Uh, uh, where, where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Listen to what he goes on to say. It says, the Lord turned to him and said, go, watch this, in this strength of yours. What strength? This guy has just declared himself weak and incapable. But God says, go in this strength of yours. Let me remind you of something the scriptures say, my friends. The scripture says that when we are weak, then we are strong. You know why? Because you and I have nothing to do with it. It's all God in you. Come on and give God some praise, man. 
See, God's power is never absent. It's never absent. He needs you to work through. Thus, he says, go in this strength of yours. Here we are worrying about being qualified, not realizing that God doesn't call qualified people. He qualifies people who are called. You are qualified, friend. Man, I can't wait till next week to hear all these praise reports. The last point I want to leave you with here is that power needs a purpose. Listen closely. Power needs a purpose. How many of you would agree? I need God. How many of you would agree? God, I need your wisdom. God, I need your help. God, I need your strength. God, I need your direction. God, I need your provision. God, I need you present in my life. God, I need you. I think that we can all relate to that. That resonates with us. But have you ever thought about this, that God needs you? God needs you. Let me show you that from Scripture. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be, watch this, my witnesses in Jerusalem. Where's that power cord at? You will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, pass it along and hold on to it. In Judea, in Samaria, keep it going. Come on, in the Bronx, in Newburgh, in Middletown. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. But watch this. The scripture says this, and to the ends of the earth. Here we are worrying about having power, and we dismiss the fact that God continues to supply it that he continues to provide it, that he continues to give it, so that this power can continue to go forward into all the ends of the earth. What I am saying to you, friend, is this, that yes, we need God, but God needs people to reach people. God needs Christians to rise up and bring Christ to the lost. It starts today with you, with me. I want you to stand with me as we come to a close today. And I want to give you a picture directly that comes from heaven. This is not my opinion. This is recorded as having taken place in heaven. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8 says this. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Get this picture. God looked all around heaven. He looked upon all creation. And he said, whom can I send? Who will go for me? 
Who will dare extend themselves beyond their comfort? Beyond their own needs? Who will dare to go further and farther than where they may find themselves? And the scripture says that the prophet Isaiah responds. He says, and I said, here I am. Send me. Send me. Send me. Friend, heaven cries out, whom shall I send? What will you respond? Oh, that that be our cry. That that would be our heart's desire. It's not about me. Send me. Send me. Send me. Let me tell you why the church matters. Because the church is the means by which the kingdom of God is infused into the world and dead come to life. The sick are healed. The lost are found. The hurting are made whole. How will you respond to God today? I want you to take a holy moment right here, right now with God. You know, Isaiah was just a man. As a matter of fact, if you study this out, you'll see that an angel comes with a burning coal, touches his lips, purifies them as a symbol of the message he would declare, what would go forward. This is also a depiction of how God would show himself to the world. He would come in the form of a man, just like you and me. The scripture tells us in Hebrews that we do not have a high priest who cannot relate to us in our weaknesses. In other words, it's telling us that Jesus went through the same things that we went through. Why do I share that with you? Because you're qualified. Just send me, Lord. Just send me. This week as you go forward, know this with confidence. Heaven backs you. You're sent. Put your confidence in the message that you share, not what you look like. Put your confidence in the God that you pray to, not how you pray. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.